¿Qué onda, primos y primas? Welcome to My Primos Podcast. My name is Freddy. And tonight we're doing something a little different. Uh, we're not doing the regular show here. We do week to week with El Primo Walter. But today we're doing something a little different. We're actually doing an interview. I'm doing an interview with a comic book creator, friend of mine, and a Latino representing uh, our culture, our stories out there, you know, with everybody else. Trying to get things out there. His name is Hector Rodriguez. He is the creator of El Peso Hero, a comic book series focusing on a hero from Mexico helping people in border towns cross over. Uh, we get really into it as far as his inspiration, where he came from, what drove him to create the character, and just talk about not just that, but also what it's like for a Latino creator to actually spring onto the scene, try to make room for himself, and always how we talk about here, representation. So it's a great conversation, uh, especially if you are a comic book fan or a creator in general. It kind of gives you a window into what uh, struggles can come through, but also just the genuineness behind what you're doing can really take you far. Uh, but guys, if this is your first time here, welcome and bienvenidos. You know, we're glad to have you. Uh, you can follow us in our backlog of episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and now on Spotify. We're all over social media, and you can follow us at My Primos Podcast. And so tonight, I hope you enjoy the show. We're doing an interview series here. We'll do more and more as we go along. Stay tuned. Tell us what you think. Thank you for coming on board, and enjoy the interview. You know, to everybody that's listening, this is, uh, again, this is our, our interview with uh, Hector, uh, creator of El Peso Hero, uh, so with Rio Bravo Comics. Rodriguez, and uh, I want to just welcome you to the show, and everybody listening to just welcome a good friend of mine as well, and... Uh, Hector, uh, just go ahead and say hi to everybody and just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. No, thanks for having me. You know, it, it's definitely a, it's been a crazy ride, you know, and there's, we're expecting a lot more. And so, you know, a little bit about myself, you know, I, you know, I was born Eagle Pass, Texas in the border town, you know, mm. you know, border towns are a little different, you know, because they're, it's a different world, you know, and it's a, you know, I like to think kind of a cross, it's a bridge between cultures, you know, it's a, they're mixed up, overlapping, you know, I was uh, with my dad, and, you know, my dad's talking, and, you know, and my dad talks about, he was in college, in A&M University, back in the 70s, feeling out of place, being Chicano, yeah. you know, and saying that sometimes, you know, I feel that we don't have, we don't have a place to belong, as Chicanos, you know, and, yeah. And so, you know, he goes to go to Mexico. Well, you're Tejano. You're not, a, you know, Mexican. You know, you go up here. You know, yeah. they look at you. What, you know, you're minority. Yes, you know, and it's yeah. like, no, because neither here nor there. Yeah, right. You're, you're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're stuck in between both worlds. Come on, me like, like my primo says, he's like, hey, my my Spanish isn't good enough, and my uh -huh. English isn't good enough. You know, it's right. kind of like we're trapped. Right. Yeah. You know, and in a way that. You know, it's almost like we needed our own country, you know. You can take that into Atlan and yeah. go on to more uh, academics. Uh, even there was time, there was, I think it was after, during, I think before the Texas Revolution where the northern Mexican states and uh, Texas counties wanted to join together into like the Rio Grande. Um, it's it's an awesome story. Yeah, like, yeah. conglomerate to the, because I'm like, I'm not from Texas, you know. I came from from Los Angeles area, you know, and grew up in in that microcosm of, of Latino yeah. and uh, the mixture of that fruit salad of people, you know, and yeah. and but when you come to te to, te to Texas here in Texas and you start hearing about, because I always a, a border town to me seemed like well, that's San Diego, yeah, but that's not the case though, right? I mean, it's a it's not necessarily like oh it's just another city, but it it's right. its own world, right? I mean, yeah, it, it definitely is, you know, and. And, you know, I, I was born in Eagle Pass, and we, you know, I, I grew up watching, you know, El Santo movies, Capolina, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and, I was, and I had the great opportunity as a kid watching anime in Spanish, you know, in Mexico, yeah. visit my grandma across, and they, they had access to the whole world of entertainment that we didn't get to have in, in the you know, it's crazy, no. but you're you're right when we talk about that. Like growing up, you know, like it influences everything we do. It really does. Like pop culture, however you want to call it, it differs from country to country to country. But uh, like in experience, talk about anime. Like the first anime I saw was Super Campeones. 
Yeah, supercampeones. Supercampeones. <laughs> like, that was what I started with. Like, wow, what is this? There was nothing right. else like it. And did you know that there is no English dub or a sub of supercampeones? Yeah. There's not. We were kicking back as the World Cup. We were just talking about supercampeones, you know. Yeah. And for me, it was uh, Fuerza G versus G Force versus uh, Battle of the Planets here in the United States. Yeah. And that, that took me back because they had a, like, a lot of drama, the action, you know, it was it was great. I mean, the- and so you grew up in Eagle Pass. And a question I have for you there, I mean, speaking about pop culture, talking about the stuff we grew up on, watching these, these animations and films, you know, I, I love that. But I, I have an experience like I have a my cousin, his father's a truck driver. And so he drives yeah. through southern Texas, El Paso and, and all of that. But you and Eagle Pass, like. He told me he experienced things like where there was a cross section of, of music, for example, like people from Mexico would play a lot of the tunes from the U.S. and then people from the U.S. on the border town would play a lot of the hits from Mexico back and forth. So it was a cross culture there yeah. that he never found anywhere else. I mean, what did you experience in your scenario there? You know, I I, I learned to appreciate it later on, as as while I was working with Puzzle Hero, going to more musical learning about the music, especially. One of the awesome bands that have a lot of great social commentary in their songs is Tigre del Norte. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. They're solid and transcend both sides. They do. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, for me, I it was until I was eight, we moved to Central Texas and, you know, I lived in College Station, uh, Texas A&M, you know, completely different world reality. Um, you know, for I was the minority in a classroom instead of being, you know, just a regular class. I mean, it was a total, totally different how, experience. Uh, how, was, how was that change? I mean, you were surrounded in Eagle Pass and your people, you know, everybody you grew up with were like, yeah, yeah. you know, like everybody was and, you know, Mexican-American. Yeah. And, you know, and so we go, it was until I was in third grade, I was, I was the only kid that spoke Spanish. I was bilingual. In my classroom. I have a, a question about that for you because I think that like one of the things I'm curious about, you know, like and I will we'll touch on it kind of as we go through the conversation here about the work yeah. you're doing with the Peso Hero because, you know, he he's he's he stands up for the for the for the 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 downtrodden, the bullied, you know, the yeah. like he's he is legitimately the face that we need, you know, the strength that we these these people need. And right. you know, these stories when you write, when we create you know, they come from somewhere personal, you know, like during that time, do you kind of tap into that? Do you say, man, I was in that situation, I was bullied or like, was it like you were just ostracized the same way that some of the people in your books are? Well, you look into different, different people that have a lot of, you know, you look into your own, of course, your own past experience as well as the experience of others in your, in your family. And so especially, you know, and, and the more you talk, the more you, engage outside your sphere the more stories you you come across but you know growing up um, you know always always thought you know my like my I saw my my grandparents and superheroes you know like mis abuelitos mis abuelos you know larger than life type characters you know and and one of my guys that I liked growing up was uh, I used to watch a lot with my grandpa, Jesus, uh, a lot of uh, like you know the the Almada brothers, kind of like a narco cinema, you know, grungy, um, uh, just the grindhouse Mexican movies, gotcha. Uh, gotcha. You, know, you know, of a you know federal agent going against uh, corrupt officials, you know, and Mario Almada, and uh, they were just almost like the Pierce Brosnan character but Mexican you yeah. know you know a Norteño which is a little different because the North Mexican culture is like more Norteño and more friendlier towards the American side because a lot of commerce yeah. come in, more engaging and so it, some of the old western um, tropes would be in some of the Mexican movies of course and so while creating a Peso Hero I wanted somebody more down to earth somebody that has that really spoke to that type of culture and experience, and so this is why with a puzzle hero, um, you see here, yep. he, he has his shirt, white shirt and jeans, 
you know, he has boots on, uh, a bell buckle. I mean, that's it. You became simple. It's something that's accessible. Somebody that anybody can see themselves in, you know, and somebody that represents that that life, you know. I like. I mean, and we go through like your story, and I like the fact that you say yourself. You design some. You design a character that's uh, identifiable. You know, it's not. He's a superhero, but he's not out of out of reach. Does that make sense? Right. No. It. It. And this is some of the um, issues that the big two yeah. have, have come across. Yeah. Creating um, minority superheroes. You know, if you look at Luke Cage in the seventies, black exploitation. You know, yeah. what he jiving or you know, and they had the the Shane and the Fro and Fro, the, yeah, chains all and all that, and yeah, and, yeah, and it's the like, headband and yeah, yeah. You know, and so, and it, what it, it took, you know, Luke Cage, what seventies to two thousand six fifteen when the first first show came out on Netflix to be more grounded, more down to earth. You know, in 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 entertainment, but yeah. it, within the comic books, it's been you know you gear writers, the right writers behind those books, and Marvel start to notice, you know, the, the character was more representation of the experiences that they wanted to portray. You know, touching on the writers there, I mean, and I want to I want to talk about that, and I know definitely don't want to you know stop the train while we're going in, in your path, but to not lose the the train of thought there is like when you talk about the writers themselves, you know. We always mention in our last episode we're talking about gatekeepers, but gatekeepers in the sense of trying to keep someone out, as opposed to a gatekeeper of opening it up and hey, here's the information you need, uh, here's the gate to come in and and, and get into this industry or get into the here's what you need to do to do A B C, you know, and the writers during that time, from what I know of it, has been very constrictive. It's very, very like, hey, you know what? Predominantly Anglo, predominantly these type of writers. And if we need to throw in a minority, we'll just go off of a stereotype because it's just easier to go off that as opposed to a writing to the type. As now, 2019, what, 2018, 2019, here we are, we're seeing more and more representation, not only from, from Latinos, but other races as well, other, other beliefs, other yeah. religions, creeds, what have you, you know, uh, sexual preference, all that, you know, all that is it's being more and more then. Do you think that right. then it's has that gate crept open or is it that like someone like you that has made your own way has led them to the big two to go we're talking DC Marvel, we're talking them that are make their okay they're forcing them to open that gate now. Because now well, you know, independence they, they notice how to monetize on you know at, at opportunities, especially you know, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, recently, there was a Superman uh, story arc issue. I forgot there was a thing. Oh, I forgot the name, of the number of the issue. Um, I don't know if it was a Superman or um, Man of Steel. But anyways, it was Superman defending a group of immigrants oh. from a um, some uh, some some while uh, some nut job. You know. Sure. Okay. You know, it was it was it was a uh, you know, as from there they they were trying. Okay, well, Superman defends all immigrants, right? And so they they try to you know, there was a, an article by USA Today that they actually came back and, and <laughs> interviewed me for to make kind of like, hey, we're Hector, you do a little pencil here, right? So what do you think about Superman uh, now out of randomly defending immigrants, you know, and and I'm like, well, yes, he defends everybody. Yeah. Of course, you know he's, and he's an immigrant himself. You know, an illegal immigrant. Yeah, he's a he's an he's literally illegal immigrant, and the world loves him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and so, but the way it's being done, published, is just being. You know, the, taking advantage of a situation to sell books. It's insidious, man. You know, and so you have that, and I'll tell you that it was 2000, about 2015. Um, you know, we El Paso Hero went viral uh, the first time, I'd say between two, the end of 2012, 2013, it went viral. That's the, the first time we've gone viral like two, three times. 
Um, but the first time it exploded, it was in uh, España, Argentina, Mexico, La Reforma, El País, you know, Italy, Canada. You know, it was yeah. just people doing stories. You know, uh, you know, Mexican superhero defending immigrants, defending, helping you know the uh, immigrants in, in the border. You know, and, and so it, big big headlines and and it was until and I'm like thinking, hmm, okay, we're hitting, we're going viral. Somebody's gonna hear us. Somebody's gonna come across this. Some, you know, somebody from DC Marvel. You know, they're gonna come up with the idea. Of, you know, sooner or later, you just have to admit it. You know, yeah, I'm, it's I'm gonna a happen. small fish in a big pond with larger fish, right? That has something that they that want. unique story, unique character. You know, and, and so, you know, it's something that I came to realization to find peace with. Okay, it was, they're gonna try to pull something. I'll either create their own uh, border fighting superhero. If that would have happened, I mean, let's be real for a second. Like, as a fan, I would have been like, what the? F like, no way. Yeah. Like, this is blatant. This is so blatant. Well, there was a uh, Captain America storyline that hit a little bit after that. And it was Captain America fighting the Serpent Society in the border. And the Serpent Society was targeting um, immigrants crossing. And there's a whole story uh, between that and Captain America comes comes in and defends the immigrants, you know, and, and says something, you know, I'm an Irish, you know, I came from Irish background and goes on his spiel, yeah. you know, yeah. and I'm like, how's he all of a sudden from the Northeast all the way to the border? I'm like, all right. He's okay. Whatever. Okay. All right. The jet, the, yeah. the Avengers jet got him there. Okay. Yeah. The Avengers jet. Yeah. Just they got just dropped, dropped him off. Him. Yeah. Like, all right. And, but we felt a sense of relief when the uh, Mexican media was actually, reporting the news and they're saying well Captain America is doing it but El Peso Hero did it first Yuck, yeah man you know it, right I felt like a side of relief I'm like Oof, okay well you know since uh, even though we don't need that you know, we're not looking to be that you know that we're looking yeah, you're, people to you're doing you didn't do this right we're not looking for that validation yeah you're not looking for the validation you did this because this is your you felt this internally. I know you'll share with it, but it's like you're not looking for that. I don't need that validation. But it felt nah. good to have someone there, though, right? It, it, it felt good for somebody defending uh, your book. <laughs> I mean, the community. The yeah. community. It's always been the community since day one. You know, it's always been Latino community has backed me up. You know, has backed up as a hero. You know, and I and I take that. You know, even from different. Media companies, from you know, press companies, from from Univision Telemundo to the Aldea, yeah. to you know, just um, the Latino magazine, you know, all, all all these, you know, just they, and that's what we need more for everybody, you know. But it, it's been, that's been that was an interesting experience. I mean, do you, but the thing is that coming back to it is the fact that because of what you did. Or, you know, like kind of, it's funny to touch on the fact that they saw a need to capitalize on something that got enough notoriety. Like when you went viral and Pesto Hero is getting right. a lot of momentum and wow, this is great. This is great. This is great. Hey, can't we just snap their finger? Hey, can't you just make up a storyline and just make it happen? You know, it feels yeah. like it's not genuine. <laughs> it's not genuine. Definitely not genuine. It's capitalizing and there's an insidious intent behind it. For Superman, like I said, he's the perfect hero superman yeah. you know comes in and saves the way it's like okay but that's very i don't know but I, but thing is superman is not accessible i don't rep i don't connect with superman you know i connect more with peso hero in a sense of like you know knowing the origin story and kind of knowing where he came up yes it's fantastical in a sense but it's a superhero like what do you think you know like let's be it's a superhero but he's accessible a child looks at it and goes man wow like you said hey wow yeah. guys helping me it's accessibility it's not yeah, an alien from like space. Ideal, you know, I can go to the my dad's closet, you know, <laughs> and wear a white shirt and blue jeans and just, you hey, know, and it's accessible. You and can cosplay as El Peso Hero, you know, like. There you go. <laughs> there you go, man. It's fun. I mean, no, but uh, I think that that was something I wanted to touch on too, because I, it, the gatekeeper is of it, you know, and in the industry, like you said, like you know that what you're doing independently and still working towards just, I, I feel like I try to spread the word as much as possible when it comes to any type of like, uh, anybody that mentions it. And I go, Hey man, you got to check out Peso Hero. You got to check out his work, his other books, check out the whole series and uh, the next Patrona and all that. You know, like I'm, I'm, yeah. 
I'm pumped, man. Like I am. And so it's something that I I really want to just lavish on you because the work behind it is genuine and representation is important. I have genuine work, genuine work. And uh, no, no, definitely. And you were talking about La Patrona, you know, I just finished it a couple days ago and it's, yeah, I know it just hot hot off the process. I sent out the, the printing order Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and you know, and like you say, you know, uh, I have to. I need my my wife is my editor. She checks my work. You know, making sure my words are <laughs> are in the grammar and all that. You know, shit. It's like I'm, you know, Latino. You know, I can't. <laughs> my English my, is not that good. My Spanish is not like good. Here, you know, take, I, take whatever you can. You know, these, <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to, you know, and then I, I and I double check my Spanish, you know, because within the really unique thing about a plus of heroes that his dialogue is Spanish, straight yeah. up. Yeah. And I was actually at a workshop, a writer's workshop for a comic book artist, and and I had um, a great, great, really great opportunity with a DC writer, veteran. Uh, gosh, I forgot his name. Oh my gosh, you know. I, and so I, you know, I, I felt that sometimes you do have to, you know, just like I said, artists, you do have to research and read, you know, and, and do your homework, of course, you know, look into all art forms, you know, all craft. You have to hone in your craft. And so I joined this workshop, and it was a really intimate, you know, it was like, you know, like Skype, you know, and yeah. so taking notes and stuff, and, and so... And and I asked my question is you know I was the only Latino in the group, and I asked him okay so and I have a question you know I'm like okay writer you know I have this violent comic book I was a hero my question is um, you know because I, I find this challenging with a puzzle hero just speaking Spanish and and I do have translations let me go look here uh, on the back of each book. You know, I have translations. Yeah. You know, and so just for those that you know are monolingual, you know, it, you know, it, it, it does. I do lose some of the momentum narratively. Somebody reading it and yeah. coming across a puzzle zero saying something, and don't go flipping back like translations. Well, there's also been ways to do that by putting it within the uh, panels between the gutters. Yeah. You know, just little, light. Little light. Yeah. Right, or having the brackets around a word balloon, right, and saying, you know, translated from Spanish, you know, but it'll be in English. You know, I had those options, and he, and then he asked me, well, he's like, just do it in English. Mm. You know, it's like, just do it and just change it in English. It's okay. And I'm like, ah, but then you don't get it. Yeah, that's the thing right there. Let me stop you. I'm with you 100%. I literally had this conversation Primo, when you listen to this, um, your your ears are ringing right now. My primo, Walter. And he's very adamant about, hey, man, it's fine to be niche. Don't worry about everybody else. Write what you want to write. I struggle with writing a story where characters are obviously Latino. Obviously. And the character merits that they speak only Spanish. But, like, we've been taught in writing and in school, it's like, don't assume your reader knows what this is. You're, you're mm-hmm. excluding a large percentage of people that are going to read your content. Right. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, it, that's exactly kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're losing opportunity there because as you're reading, someone stops and goes, well, what does that mean? Hold on. Let me flip to the back of the page. Let me, yeah. this up. you're losing the momentum of the story. Right. And he was kind of stuffing my face and goes, Hey, listen, man, write the story you want to write because the Latino market is so untapped that you're underestimating our own people willing to read what you're writing in Spanish, the message that matters. Right. And like you right. said it, that guy didn't get it. And right. I didn't get it too. I'm like, hey, I have to write like this. Cause I was doing the same thing you're talking about. Like I write a word parentheses translation, you know, or right. if I write a word parentheses this. And even some of the like colloquialisms lose, you know, yeah. Yeah. it loses its meaning in that translation. Yeah. Right. You know? Correct. That flavor. If it, if you would, yeah. Yeah, so no, of course. I, I'm right there with you where I'm like, wow, I've had to almost break that conditioning right. as a as a as a student of storytelling 
and change the medium. I mean, you're, you're experiencing it as a level where an experienced creator is telling you, just make it in English. Does that right. kind of drive you nuts? Yeah. You know, it, it, and like you said, it, it, so I, I just, uh, yeah, but if I were, yeah, I mean, if I were to change it, it's just, it, it loses its uniqueness. I mean, it's not El Paso Hero. I mean, that's yeah. the reason why it needs representation. It's him speaking Spanish. There's no other superhero that speaks Spanish. And 100%. so, no, I'm not going to fold on that. You know, it, like, you know, if people want to read it, they'll read it. If, you know, and, and I tell you this, like you're talking about colloquialisms and, you know, I have like one where um, I say, uh, as your three, you know, El Paso says, um, you know, sigueme los buenos. Yeah, it's just well, if you don't know, yeah. like, Colorado, Colorado well, yeah. yeah, you won't know, you know. It's so uh, if I, I'm not going to translate that, you know, you it's can't. just you can't. Us. It loses no. everything. Like you throw that, might as well throw that whole page out because it's like yeah. it doesn't mean the same thing. You're like, wow, he's he's us, he's right. one of us, and it's crazy. Like that means that that hits home, man, because that kind of touches on what we talk about, you know, when it comes to being creative or our own network of of the rest of the world doesn't get it. But there's more. It's funny. There's more of us than there are of them. And yet we we sit back like that gate is so shut that we can't get through or break through. But like what my cousin's saying, and I've been kind of recently kind of realizing is, F that gate. Here's our own. You exactly. Know? And you that's know? where we have Texas Latino Comic Con. Perfect. That's, yeah. that's what I'm leading it. towards. You know, like Texas Latino Comic Con, this is, this is the second year that this is happening. Right. And the first year round was a huge deal. I was so excited. I went to the comic book shop, my local shop here, and I saw the little little hangers on the on the racks and I'm like, this is Latino Comic Con. Like, what's this? Yeah. You know? And like, so I mean, share what share about that. You know, we're we're, we're here and um what yeah, is no, Texas Latino Comic Con awesome. and kind of how did that start and, and just let me know what that's about. Oh yeah, it's an awesome history. You know one of the things, you know, we give credit where credit is due, you know, and one you know I, I started writing a puzzle here in two thousand three, you know, visiting the border, you know my grandpa, you know, and he would tell me stories about, you know, criminal organizations, you know, you know, just, you know, you just tell the, the rumors, yeah. that stuff that's going on the border, you know, yeah. and the rumor is, blah, 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 you know, and so I started thinking, well, it'd be cool if, you know, I'll be, you know, then my gears start turning, you know, and, and so I started writing, you know, you just write, yeah. you know, I've been a big comic book fan, you know, for just like, my, take, take that from my dad, uh, and it was, I was in college, and um, you know, it was during MySpace time. So oh, yeah, I, was, I remember those days. Remember those days. The top five friends, your top yeah. ten friends. <laughs> like, remember that? Like, oh, well, uh. and then they rearranging, people would get upset. Like, hey, how come I'm not exactly. your top five, man? Yeah. yeah. So, oh God, well, I have two best friends. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're a dick today. So like, yeah, you're number three now. Number yeah. three. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I I was at a comic book shop and I noticed. Uh, this comic book called El Muerto, you know, and I was like, oh, what's that? And and I started looking up, and it's a writer Chicano from California, from the uh, from San Diego area, and and I you know I, I looked him up, and then I saw he had a MySpace, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna reach out, you know, I want to learn more about craft, you know, because I'm an inspiring comic book writer, you know. Yeah. That and so looking into it, it wow, he had an indie comic book created into a movie, El Muerto with Wilmer Valderrama starred yeah. as El Muerto. And actually, here, give that it's actually right. My, my room is so I have books, comic books, and so I'm called uh, El Muerto by Javier Hernandez. Oh, that artwork looks good, yeah. And so it's actually, is he did the art or just pen it? He's the artist and the writer, Javier Hernandez. And so he's a huge uh, Steve Ditko fan, actually. And Javier will be in Texas Latino Comic Con for the first time this year. Oh wow, that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, I reached out to him and we started talking, and and so he, he you know, he, he became to give me advice. You know, and very very open. You know, we started chatting, and and so and during that time I was doing um, another comic book project for somebody else. And so it was in episode related, and and so it was just giving advice, and we just kind of kept tabs in contact, right? It was until 2011 where Javier and 
a friend of his, a partner, Ricardo Padilla, created the Latino Expo in California. And so it was summer 2011, I believe. And it was a great opportunity for the uh, Latinos in that area to get together and showcase their works, their arts. And it was, you know, they did it again 2012 for a second annual. By 2013, um, you know, I was, I was, I started right doing El Paso Hero, and we started connecting more. Sure. It, well, El Paso Hero was summer 2011. That's um, a webcomic, and it wasn't until about 2014 I reached out to Javier, uh, and I was like, "Yeah, but you'll be, you know, it'll be awesome if you guys come over here to Dallas, you know, because we we definitely, you know, it might all experiences with." You know, the puzzle hero has already been gone viral. You know, I've done comic book shows. I've been in the scene for a couple of years, and I, wow, you know, our our folks are hungry. You know, are hungry, and we have talent here. And then I don't know how yet it goes. Well, don't ask for my permission. Do you do your own? You know, <laughs> do your own thing. And I'm like, sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. And, you know, and then I uh, funny story talking about our GameStop days. I actually, you know, I. I was I still have my contacts from like Grand Plaza, the mall. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, and that guy, the uh, mall manager. You know, we used to do some tournaments, we do some things, and out yeah. in the area. And so I reached out to him, and I was like, "Hey, man, you know, I have it, this idea for an event. You know, I can bring some, I can bring a crowd. You know, this is a great place, great venue, that's a good food. Yeah. You know, and we, I mean." Good area. You just set up some tables and cool. You know, we'll just have something here. And he's like, yeah, we'll get back to you. Yeah, maybe. And then it just things never really materialized. I guess they didn't really take me seriously. How daunt? How, how like? Let me stop you there. Like, how daunting is that endeavor? Like to stand in front of that. Uh, that I'm like, okay, well, I don't have an excuse now because he just said do it. Like, how daunting is that? Like that road ahead. Like. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. So this is where it comes to. It wasn't until um, 2016, it was around November, and a good friend of mine, uh, David Dow, and David, uh, he's 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 uh, the uh, owner of the publishing company called Dust Comics. He's a writer himself, and he and David has been very active in the community with uh, Acon and uh, Mini Acon and a lot of uh, conventions, and so he logistically knows how to build these things from the ground up, you know, everything. And so we were at a uh, kind of a get-together, creators, you know, just we, 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 we like to touch base. You know, we're pretty tight, close niche here with all of us here in DFW, yeah. and um, very supportive, and so we are just talking, and it's like, um, actor, let's just do that. Let's do let's do the convention. Why not? Let's do it now. And I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it. You know, and, and so we we joined forces. Ah, there you go. You know, yeah. We joined forces yeah. and yeah. and so it's like, well, Hector, you know, you're pretty savvy with Latino media because you know experience with Puzzle Hero and all that. And so and I know the scene and I legit I know my logistics and I can get have everything running. Yeah. And so we set set up and then we had a uh, Created a committee with some local artists, and uh, we have, uh, we have uh, Elia Maria, a Chicana from Fort Worth, joined us, and and so we started to brainstorm, and we just started pitch. We started to pitch it, you know, and we went to plays around Oak Cliff, and so we went to the Dallas Library. Things weren't really working. And then I was like, well, I've gone to uh, the Latino Culture Arts Center. It's a pretty awesome place. Yeah, and I've gone sure. to Academia theater shows, and they're awesome. And I know Hector Cantu, the creator of the cartoon Baldo, writer. Wow. Um, and he's one of the board members. His wife is one of the board members as well for uh, the Academia department. And so uh, we, we went there and we pitched it. And they, they, yeah, they took us, they took us in, and not also that, but we were, we were able to get a grant from the city of Dallas. Wow, congratulations! Wow, yeah, and and so, and after that, I, you know, with it's been 
number of years, and so as you start doing shows, going from out of state, you start, mm -hmm. you know, network and know folks, become friends, and so we were able to get our first people out for the first Texas Latino Comic Con, uh, July, what was it, 29, 2017, and it was a huge deal, because it was never done in Texas, never, and it's, it's, and it's funny, because it's been, I, I would, I was just surprised how long it took, you know, it's one of the things you create your own, like your, you know, like your primo said, you know, create your own, it, you know, yeah, and so, sure. and, and, and coming from experiences of, I've been a guest in shows, you know, I've been a guest in um, Comic Palooza, I've been a guest in, um, what was it, Fan Expo, Dallas Comic Book, Dallas Comic Book, Go, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dallas, yeah, Comic Con, and it, they changed names, and, yeah. and so, and funny story is, uh, Right, it was before 2015. The uh, Dallas Comic Book Convention, the big one, changed ownerships, and so uh, the owner was so friendly to the indie scene. He was he had a polls. He would bring folks in. You know, mm -hmm. you know there were tables. He would, you know, because I mean these tables are expensive, three or four hundred dollars. You know, just to have a table for you know, and it's yeah. and it's hard being a small press. Where you have to pay for your own books and try to make bank and mm -hmm. pay your own table, and so by the end of the day, you'll you'll you'll, you'll be like you know sometimes you'll make break even, have yeah. a good time, break even, promote, you know, it, it's part of the business. Yeah, yeah. But uh, having those, giving those opportunities, those platforms for folks, and not also that being accessible because these shows are about twenty, thirty, forty dollars a day just to get in. And so it excludes a lot of our community. It is a financial hurdle, you know, and for someone to tell mom and dad, hey, I really want to go to this convention, it'll cost 25 bucks for one day. And for most Latino families that are... That's No, man, like... No, man, like, that's ridiculous. Because that's pretty much it. Like, 25 bucks is a lot of money to spend on a day. And they're like, what do you get? Oh, I get to go meet this guy. You get to meet him for $25? What else does he give you? You yeah. know, like, do you get, parents ask that question. My parents did in LA. I'm in LA. Hey, I want to go to San Diego Comic Con. They're like, okay, have, have fun. I don't know, you figure it out. Or even yeah. Anime Expo. That's like, God knows, $100 just for like, you know, a couple of days. Oh, and, you don't, and you know how it is, like you as a, uh, and kind of touch base on it, like, I was, I was the geeky kid in school, you know, like I was into comics, into anime, into, into yeah. film and all that. And, and to tell my folks, hey, there's a horror fest going on in this part of L.A. And they're like, oh, OK, but how much is it? Oh, I might as well not even say anything. Yeah. You know, I'm like, OK, I guess it's a, it's a pipe dream. You read the magazines and you're Fangoria like, oh, look, they were there. They were, here down, <laughs> they were down the street. You know, they were like 20 minutes away. And yeah, so for, for it, Dallas Latino Comic Con is free. Exactly. And, you know, you bring back Fangoria. One of our sponsors is Cinestate, the new owners of Fangoria. Oh, awesome. Look at that. It goes full circle. Yeah, right? And I'll tell you this. Uh, Cinestate is local. It's in Dallas. They actually they recently um, finished the new Puppet Master movie. Oh, really? Wow. Puppet Master Part was a trip. The, yeah, there you go. I remember that. Was, I was a fan of the Puppet Masters, man. Yeah. I remember in my head... Yeah. They were the heroes at the end of the right. movie, like the puppets that they were. When they, I remember what, what what part of it was, but like they're in that that school of like Leprechaun, in that school uh -huh. of, uh, you know, like like the puppet master and like I, 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 that's some that's my shit. I'm sorry, man. Like I love yeah, it. Like, it's and that's done. crazy. But Dallas Latino Comic Con is free. It's accessible. Correct. You have a hero that's mm -hmm. accessible. You have artists that are accessible. You know what can someone expect visiting? This may be the first con. This, you know, for, for a young kid to go, what oh, should yeah. they expect? Or a fan, what should they expect? Well, you know what? It's one of the great positive things we've heard from last year was, you know, the accessibility as well as seeing yourself in those books and those art and that art form. You know, it's so powerful when you learn it in literature. You know, I came across a statistic and it was about 95%, about 90, 95-92% of fictional children books characters are white. Are white. 
and then afterwards it's uh, African Americans, small percentage, uh, and afterwards is um, fictional like characters like made up animals, and then it's Latinos, right? Small slither, yeah. you know, completely. You know, but with our school children population being the so, majority, there are more hobbits in in, in in fiction than there are Latinos. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it has characters, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, I think it was it's an article from NPR, and you know, seeing yourself represented in literature, especially say such a young age, is very empowering. You know, in in such a positive uh, tool to read and grow, and and as well as somebody that has not related to you know, because Latinos are everybody, because that's the thing. You know, we do get some hate crap. You know, we get some nasty. You know, commentary and our, oh, this is this is Latino, so Latinos only go. This is exclusive. Mm, you know, okay. is Latino, you know, and so we, you know, we do have those, but um, it's it's for it's for everybody. It's, it's, and and the great thing is that you can put yourself in somebody else's shoes with uh, comic books as well as graphic novels. You know, it's a type of medium that's very accessible, very universal, and, and it's very powerful when you're able to. Looked at somebody else's lens. I mean, you, you, you know, I mentioned a lot. I know, I know more of the backstory because I, when I heard, when I saw your name attached to something, I'm like, I know this name. Where do I know it from? You know, and then I kind of followed the line. I said, oh, shoot, I know this dude. Like, I know this guy. So I dug in, you know, and I was like, hesitant to reach out to you. Like, oh, man, I haven't talked to this dude in years. And for me to hit him up now, blah, 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 you know. And I mean, I'm glad we reconnected, but you tell me, you know, you talk about accessibility. Ration relationship with a, a character. I mean, where did Peso Hero derive from? I mean, you you, you talked kind of danced around it, you know, in your journey there. But mm. how did the character become what he is today? What inspired you to say, I mean, you know what I this is it? This is a character that I need to do. Like this is what I need to make happen. Like I'm I'm into comics. I have an idea. But what was the inspiration? Was it just your grandfather? Was it just those stories? What was it? Well, you know, it's. It definitely was a, a it makes a lot of components, but you know, growing up, uh, like I said, you know, I, I was I I was fed a lot of steady stream of uh, Santa movies, um, and you know, larger than life characters, and and so you know, reading comic books, but you know, I was never really like you said, you know, I was not. It's hard to feel attached to Superman and Batman because they don't need empanadas. <laughs> yeah. they, don't, they don't have tortillas, you know. And they're you know, not broke. At all. You're not broke. Yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't <laughs> have. Which is rich. They don't have They don't have credit. They don't have a low credit score. And, and Clark lives on a farm. You know what I mean? Like, he's he's taken care of in a way, you know? Farmers make, they're good. But, right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and so... And so this may be one of the things why I gravitated towards uh, Godzilla, you know, something larger than life, you know, and somebody that, you know, represented a, you know, just go lashing onto society in a way, but as well as he was a creature, he wasn't, you know, there's no racial or humanistic, you know, and that's me, you know, looking for idols within, you know, fiction, you know, yeah. and you know, when you had Don Quixote, I mean, but it's like, it's, it's hard trying to reach back old school, you know. And no I was Right, we moved to, uh, we moved to College Station, and there were comic book stores, you know, because I was in Eagle Pass, you know, sp- sp- it was early 90s, so Spawn was, it was hitting it. Yeah, I remember Spawn was huge, was, man. Oh, this guy looks awesome. You know, and it was a African-American uh, character yeah. in Right, and it was gritty, and it's just one of the thing of the borders. Just you know, a lot of grays, a lot of the you know gray, you know, grittiness to it, too. And you know, I was really digging Spawn. Yeah, I can actually have one of my old school, and it's signed by Todd McFarlane. Ooh, love it. And the Tom McFarlane, like that that whole line, man. 
Right. Oh my God! I was begging. I remember being a kid, begging parents, my parents, to death that I wanted this ugly, horrible, scary toy, <laughs> and they're like, "Puchica, tan loco!" Like, nah, forget right. it. it. Ain't gonna happen, man. You know, like, and I found one at a yard sale that someone had lost, like the cape, because they yeah. came off, and that was like the only spawn that I had was a yard sale spawn. But I loved it to death because I loved the griminess to it and that right. dark yeah. horror feel. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that art style too. Taco France art style. Mm-hmm. And and so uh, yeah, I got gratitude towards that, and you know, reading it, and you know, I, you you, it's one of those things where you become such a. You're, I, was, I was such a fan of the type of narrative that comic books provided, and and sawing that wow, you know, there's there's not a story for me. There's not a story for me, you know. I, I like Spawn, and yeah, I mean, I, I would I would follow, you know. Superman, that was Superman, or Batman Nightfall, you know, yeah. and all, all that, you know, big stories, you know, but I was never really, like, hardcore-ish issue going in. Um, and so I just took a lot of um, looking into something that has never been done and saying, there's nobody here that speaks for me. Not Spider-Man, not Superman, not Batman, you know, what, I'm identifying more with, like, Spawn. <laughs> But yeah. it's still a little fantastical, you know, sure. and, and and so and and so I just started, you know, I went to I remember that sitting with my grandfather and telling him story, and I'm thinking, wow, it'd be awesome if there was a Mexican superhero because there's been Mexican superheroes before, like Kaliman, Chanok, uh, but they there's these guys. For all time, nobody people forget about them, you know. Then yeah, luchadores, you know, yeah. which are kind of are they or not? I mean, they're just are they really? And so, granted, you have comic books, but um, you know, and, and so I just started writing. You write, and I started writing, you know, I, I the first drafts, and you know, sketches, and you know, it wasn't until, uh, you know, I was, you know, I became an educator in Dallas. I was. You know, if you had GameStop, you know, and and remember so that struggle. you're trying to go, you're going to school, working, and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah I remember, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I became an educator, and, and just seeing the need firsthand, their experiences coming in, a lot, you know, Central American kids coming in, their struggles, or and this is me because you know, yeah, I, I, you know, I was born in in, in the states, oh, well, Mex in Texas, you know, and and yeah, my my abuelito, you know, my, my family's been in the border for forever, hundreds of years, you know, it's just a lot of history, you know, and in my in my family's gone back and forth, you know, San Antonio to Mexico, Mexico to you know, back the border was just meaningless back in the day. Yeah, you know, there wasn't. And it is a just a stupid line in the sand, man. Yeah, it's just a river you cross, you know, and yeah, and and so my my grandfather. Uh, as he was young, and he went to work in fun in in the American side. He went, and he would just grow. He just he just went to Mexico. Oh, hey, I'm going to work over there. Okay, so he, he went off, you know, and and he uh, experiences some of the Jim Crow era in Houston. You know the signs. You know no, yeah. you know no no Mexicans or Spaniards are allowed, or you know all that and. So he got some stories from that, um, and you know, you, you take a lot of that, and you take the the culture, the language, and having having a pulse in the community. When you be an educator, I'm sure that you had children that maybe your children that didn't. Like me as a student, I remember reading things, and I go like, "Why is this white kid that is complaining about having a bad day?" You know, I have no connection with this character. You know, like I always talk about, like I'm, I, I enjoy writing. I said, there needs to be a Latino catcher in the rye. Right. Yeah. Because there's, how am I? How do how do I identify with Holden Caulfield, some rich guy at a prep school, having a bad day? There's something there, but yeah. there, there's not nothing for me to connect with. I can I, I can because of my education, I can dissect it and know the ins and outs, but it's not something I can emotionally connect with. No, yeah, you, you have you have a good point. You know, I remember, you know, as a kid, um, you know, in fourth grade, trying to get into um, the Hobbit. Oh, but yeah. it, it didn't. You know, it, it was hard. It didn't speak to me. 
you know, and and I had a great, awesome reading teacher, and you know, and she read to us, and it was she was an awesome inspiration, and and you know, yeah, and she got me into, she really got into, you know, the Narnia Chronicles, yeah, but. When I was reading on my own, I was reading like Hank the Cow Dog and Goosebumps, you know. <laughs> He's a, you know, Goosebumps because I love horror. I love yeah, scary stuff. the closest thing to it. I, remember, I still remember the, what is it, the, I forget which one it is, man, where they, they go through like an amusement park back in time and that's uh, a slide of yes. doom. Uh, the Horrorland, Horrorland or. Yeah, Horrorland or like the the something yeah, slide of doom. The, some some slide of doom when they slide they go back yeah. in time or something I don't know but yeah goosebumps I love them right and and they always and their endings always had the hook you know because I recall uh, we're going back to man we talk about horror going back we're on Nickelodeon um, are you afraid of the dark oh, oh yeah yeah I didn't have cable so I watched like the reruns that would come on like at like. God knows, random times in the middle of the afternoon, but friends of mine would have them. I'd be like, oh, can we sit and watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's almost 8 o'clock. Can I, can I stay yeah. and just watch yeah. one episode? Because that's the closest thing to a kid horror or on regular TV. Yeah. Do you remember Eerie, Indiana? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eerie, Indiana was like the daytime X-Files yeah. for kids kind of thing. Yeah, and that's exactly. the closest thing I can get to it. That's right. Wow, that show is all, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. but, but to take you back... Uh, you're saying so, you know, being an educator and telling the stories, you saw a need for creating something that could be identifiable for, for children. Uh, right. And, and, and so that led to the, to the creation? It, it was the catalyst. You know, it was definitely, it was like, I need to do this now. Ah, so it's already, already there. You're already working on it. Oh, I, I already I had it in the pipeline. You know, it basically, you know, it's one of the things where I, I had the script. So... Oh. Actually, the first issue, life happens, and, and so you get distracted, and you let, but, and it wasn't until that catalyst, hearing the uh, necessity, their stories, you know, is one, one kid where their dad got deported, my first year teaching, you know, as they kept saying crying, it's, 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 you know, like, hey, what's going on, mijo, you know, you're, you kept, you know, how are you, what's up, and, like oh you know my my dad they took him like well, who took him well, la migra you know like wow and though now he's like without what, a dad what, what grade is what grade are you teaching at that at that oh school? that was that was fourth grade fourth grade wow. yeah so they're like what nine years old eight years old yeah they're about nine 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 wow tough eh. Yeah, and so and I mean, what? And I'm like, you know, life just hits you in that moment where I'm like, well, you know, I, you know, I was like, well, in 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 this classroom, I'm your dad. You know, I'm I'm, I'm here for you. You know, oh, man, you're making me cry, dude. Like reading it is different from you telling it. You know, because yeah. like, uh, wow, man. And, and, and yeah, it's a tough spot to be. You know, especially and then and then hearing that there are a lot more of those stories. And you know, it, especially what's happening are. today. Look what we're yeah. talking about here: relevance with child separation at the border. I know yeah. you. You know you're you're definitely involved with that, and you know touching with raíces, Texas raíces, yeah. pro. You know here in Texas, doing everything they can to help join families together, stop separations, and uh, you know you were you know recently did a fundraiser for them as well, and you know I I just love that. You know I did my best no, to you. Pr- promote you. you guys because uh, like. Everything we can do here, you know, we're, we're about making noise and don't forget about these things. It's still happening, you know. Don't, don't forget. Yeah. It's still happening. So definitely, it is. You know, and and you bring up the family separation and, you know, how writing a special hero, you know, it's, it's always been, you know, some of my influences has, of course, has been, you know, our, our stories as well as. Some of our current challenges, and as well as telling a fun, engaging story. Growing up, I used to watch a lot of novelas with my mom. Yeah. You know, and a lot of the drama, the twists and turns, you know, influence my writing for the Puzzle Hero too, because that representation, you know, because I love it. You know, and so, and one of my, I remember growing up, one of my friends was uh, Cuna, uh, Cuna de Lobos. 
was with uh, a family, and the uh, matriarch of the family was the uh, uh, the antagonist was the bad guy. Wow! And great story, and so and and she was my one of my influences for uh, La Patrona, and and so you bring that to light, but there's times where your stories start making become a reality. Oh, yeah. One of our stories in 2015 was uh, Pesuero Border Stories, and Pesuero Border Stories is a a three mini stories kind of uh, chronicles of the border. You know, La Bestia with the freight train. Freight train, yeah. You know, the uh, miners coming in, crossing, and one. Scary one that he, I mean, he in it was a deportation force in Porter, you know, in, in in Houston. This, and so we published this. Came out summer 2015. And one of the things we've never been political, but you know, because we have fans that are both sides of the sure. political spectrums and they feel connected uh, differently. It's interesting to feel connected differently. Because you know it's I, we're within El Paso here. We're just telling a story, and it, it's it's almost I hate saying this, but it is what it is within the story arc. You know, it's a representation, yeah. reflection. You know, the uh, criminal organization, the the challenges, and the border, as well as some of the uh, immigration issues. You know, you're, so you're you're telling a story, not with a slant. You're telling the story as it as it would play out. Correct. Exactly, and so. You know, and so we never got political. It was until summer 2015 when uh, back then candidate Donald Trump, you know, he announced his candidacy and at the same time took a sweep of the Latino community. Yeah. You know, and he, he did it intentionally or not intentionally, that's up to, but we needed to defend our community. And so what we did. One of my artists, his name is Chema from uh, Mexico. Uh, we're talking, and one of the things is that by by this time, I have artists that are, that work for me, and they're we collaborate and we work together. Yeah. That way, I'm I was ready. I'm ready to write the stories, and it's a faster process. Process, right? Because it takes me a while to do the whole thing. Yeah. And, and so back then I can write it, send the pages, the script, and they'll work on it, and I can get started the next. And so we actually told Chandler, let's do something. Let's uh, let's have a special cover for El Paso Border Stories. Let's have a homage cover of of the old school Jack Kirby cover of Captain America punching Hitler, right? And so and right now this is actually the only version that I have left because everything else has sold out. So it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I see it right there. Yeah, I see it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's so straight up. So we have uh, uh, back then when he said it, a lot of uh, organizations like stood up together from NBC, John yeah. Macy's, you know. And so we kind of have some uh, Easter eggs there, you know. In the in the back, we have in how much cover the the action the comics. Action comics, right? We have like Jorge Ramos when he, you know, he got bullied out out of that press conference and got Wow, there's a lot of there's a lot going on and on that cover. Yeah. Wow. And so it's and it, you know, and so we did it, and it went viral. Of course, it went, and it was on NPR. It was in Mexico. You know, and it was like headlines were like, you know, a special hero, you know, fights Donald Trump. You know, the un putazo, yeah, trompudo, trompudo, right? And so, we had a great positive feedback, but that also that's when we also started to get some hate, hate, yeah. Because so. I, I was that's one thing I wanted to touch on too, and I've been dragging this on, and you know, we're getting close to the end here together and our, our time together. Um, but what is that? Cause with anything that's written, you can be as, how can I put this out there? You can be as PC as possible with anything you write. 
someone can take it, interpret it a different way. But with what's been recently, that's why I kind of touch on that. And that was one thing I wanted to touch on and get here is that with the recent changes, the reason the recent activity that Peso Hero has been has done and how the landscape has changed, we get a lot of love. But what kind of hate have you been getting? I mean, you don't have to be specific, but what is that other side that we're not seeing? Well, you know, the, it's been uh, more the they yeah. I mean, they feel that they feel attacked, they feel threatened by a minority superhero, Mexican superhero. Especially. I read something. I read something, and it, it was along the lines of that El Peso Hero is inciting. Latinos to to rise up and to start their own uh, aggressions against white people. Right, right. It's, so that's it, it's like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it, you know, it, it, even some of the you know you get the commentaries and all that, and some of the uh, you know the alt right side so pick it up and all that, and so they, yeah, it, it, it just. To me, it's just a noise, you know, and it's like it's one of those things where, you know, we're telling a great story, and and it's a funny thing because within the comic book industry, such a you know prom, prominent a prominently white perspective, yeah, you know, and when a superhero that doesn't fit that schema starts making noise for somehow it, it's a it feel that's a challenge for, you know but right now there is a lot of positive uh, movements towards you know inclusion within right. books within entertainment you know we're slowly getting there you know we have a lot of great authors upcoming creators like we'll see in Texas Latino Comic Con too uh, but you know, it is. It's almost like a glass ceiling for us to hit that next level. What know, do you think is going to take to break through, Hector? Do you think that it's the community? Do you think it's just we need that bullet, that silver bullet? We need that uh, that Iron Man one moment. You know, do we need that silver bullet to just make something in comics or in pop culture just kind of crash all and let everyone be included? Well, you know, there's an article done by a Truth Dig. You know, they interviewed me, and they said, well, how, how is it that, okay, we have Black Panther, you know, the whole billion dollars, awesome story, you know, awesome movie. Where's, where's our Latino superhero? Where's our Black Panther? Yeah, where's our Black Panther? And I'm like, well, there's, you guys pick your stories. There's a lot. I mean, <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, is that they struggle because within – the mainstream books, there aren't any like flagship front center superheroes that are Latinos. You know, there they might be second, third tier. There might be an X Men from over there. A, how many times? How sick are you? And I'm sorry to just if anybody's yeah. listening. How sick are you of Miles Morales being used every single time they mention oh Latino? And I'm like, what else do we got? Like that's it. Yeah. Like that's that's your go to. But it seems like Marvel Morales, they try to put everything inside, you know, like on one character. Yeah. Let's put him, you know, it's like he's, the only thing he's not like, he's a woman you know, at this able point. body or a woman, yeah. you know, and it's like he's an Afro-Latino, uh, you know, different sexuality, yeah. you know, we got that. Inner city, lower inner income, city. Mid, mid lower to income, like, it, yep. Not you know. everybody is. You can't fit every, it's like, hey, we, we threw you guys a bone, like almost yeah. like get off our back. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and, you know, with what you're creating and what we're all trying to create here, you know, I'm doing this medium here and, and, and hopefully in the future this evolves to something else. But, you know, the fact that representation is, is necessary. We don't want to get in what you're doing and what the other Latino creators out there doing what you're doing. If you're a painter or a writer, like you said yourself, other uh, comic book creators and what ha whatever medium you're in, music-wise, everything, it's the fact that we don't want to get engulfed by the rest of the world by pushing us down we got to push each other up right Correct. and this is this is it here collaboration in this sense here with what you're talking about you know when you have the collaboration between the people that got Dallas Latino Comic Con off the ground you know here we are now opening it up to everybody you know so that they can see that the community is more than just 
one person. There's more than Hector in the world creating. There's other creators that need that same push, right? And, yes, exactly. And we got to help each other, you know. And what do you have to tell someone listening to this today that's a creator in whatever sense that may need some little bit of like, man, Hector, what can you tell me, man? I can't make it to Dallas Latino Comic Con. I don't have the same connection that you have with Freddie here, you know. Like, what can you tell me trying to make my own way when it comes to something creative? Well, as a Latino, you, you know, you know it, it's like you know, actually, ganas, you, you do it. You know, don't wait till somebody actually tells you. you. You just do it. You know, you 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 are. You have to find your inner strength. You know, and to rise above. You know, you're not. This is the moment because, you know, because you're, we just we're about to release our eighth book. You know, we're gonna do two more by the end of the year. You know, um, a, a hor- fun horror story and uh, amazing border stories. The second part of. And you, you just do it, and that's the, you don't wait, you know. I and that's the thing, you know. We have Texas Latino Comic Con to give us a, a platform, because we didn't wait until we got a call from San Diego Comic Con to invite independent Latinos. You know, here's the panel. Here you go, guys. You know, you, you guys are representing well. They, you know, they're not going to do that. We have to come looking to our own community to grow and inspire each other. Because if somebody, nobody else is going to do it for us, especially now at this moment in time. So it's, you know, you have to literally get us, you know, and we'll rise above it. Don't ask for permission, you know, like go after it, you know. And I think that would to, to come here and, and thank you, Hector, for just spending no, time with me tonight. Thank you. It was a it was a blast catching up with you, man. I, I know, and I know that this won't be the last time you you. you oh, no, you know we can go another hour. So <laughs> we can talk. do a whole another hour just talking about yeah, Godzilla, we can talk man. About anime, gaming, industry, <laughs> you know, comedy. Yeah, but I, and I think that, like, again, you know, to to reiterate everybody, you know, this is going to by the time this is out for everybody to listen to, Dallas Latino Comic Con will be happening this Saturday, uh, July the twenty eighth, the Latino Cultural Arts Center in Dallas, Texas. Uh, it's from the 11 a.m., right? 11 a.m.? Right. Opening? 11 to 6. 11 to 6. Just come out. Support each other. Uh, you know, just be able to be around people just like you that are fans of this. You know, if you're in the Dallas area, I know all you guys listening are. Come on up. Even if you're not, you know, I know Primo Walter is going to come from Austin. He's going to be there, too. So we'll get to hopefully run into and You're going to be running around wearing a bunch of different hats, doing everything, Hector. But hopefully yeah. I get to get to meet up with you there. But, uh Thanks again, man. I mean, uh, I like I like your message. I love what you're doing, and we're always about making noise. And if you haven't checked out El Peso Hero from Real Bravo Comics, please check out uh, his work and just keep an eye out for more down the line. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Freddie. Uh, thank you, Hector, man. Man, I hope you had a good time, dude. Well, guys, I've reached the end here. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I know I had a blast with Hector. I wanted to give a big shout out and thanks to Hector for coming on the show, making time to chat with us in between everything he's doing. And check out Texas Latino Comic Con happening Saturday, July 28th at the Latino Cultural Arts Center in Dallas, Texas from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Go ahead and stop by. Say hi. We'll be there in force. You're representing. And thanks for listening, guys. Enjoy the show. And we hope to see you soon.